The reason I was musing over temper was because gerontologist Dr. Amanda Smith-Barouche argues that it is time for older adults to show temper rather than be temperate. That's what set me off. In Aging Angry, Making Peace with Rage, the University of Otago and University of Utah Emeritus Professor looks at why some of us get angrier as we get older and how it can benefit us. Baruch is a former editor-in-chief for the Journal of Gerontological Social Work. She's deputy editor-in-chief for the Australasian Journal on Asian. She has been in New Zealand since 2007, I think, Dr. Baruch. Is this correct? Yes, yes, off and on since 2007. Have you got anything to contribute to the temper, temper? Debate. Well, yes. Well, I always have something to say. Um, <laughs> yes. I mean, it, much of it agrees with what you just read. Yeah, but how but did I, temper, meaning moderate, temperate, come to mean yeah. temper, meaning anger? Or temper, yeah. is it, as a listener suggests, an exhortation to regain your temper, as in regain your temperateness? Yeah. Well, temper yeah. is... A sort of a neutral word traditionally referring to your temperament. But I did find, actually, as I was exploring this um, in the OED, um, that, that originally in connection with tempering steel, the focus was on getting the spring in the metal to just the right degree. So I'm suggesting to you that the heat associated with getting the spring to the right degree points kind of directly to anger. Um, actually, heat metaphors are used around the world um, to refer to anger and describe anger. So, so the connection might not have been quite as far-fetched as one would imagine. Uh, and it also, yeah. It's it, interesting, it actually. Might, I have never thought yeah. about this temper being a neutral word, and it only means yeah. anger when you, when you, as another listener says, paired with the word bad, or lose or, your temper. Exactly. Yes. All yes. this is, by so the way, actually, and using up valuable time when I should be talking to you about <laughs> <laughs> talking to yeah. you about your book, Aging Angry. Now, it, this book has an interesting origin story, and I'd like you to tell me about it. Please, in the preface, you describe it. Ah, yeah, yeah. The book um, really came from my own experience. Um, I, I'm an academic. I taught at the University of Utah for 34 years. And I'd have to say that I was extremely privileged. I I had colleagues who I got along well with, and I had bosses who let me do pretty much whatever I pleased. So um, life was pretty good. Like I expected to continue working well into my 70s. Um, but when I was 62, we got a new dean. We got a new boss. And he had a mandate to get rid of the dead wood 
in the university. And in fact, I was I was sent by a friend a recruiting email that he said was sent out to everyone considering the new dean's position um, that indicated that the senior faculty were were not terribly productive. And that was a problem that would need to be addressed. So the guy had a mission um, and I knew it. But I never thought that I was Deadwood. And I don't suppose anybody really thinks of themselves as Deadwood. I I don't think they do. Yeah, yeah. Kind of a universal stance, really. But but I mean, I I had reasons to think I was reasonably productive. Um, I was producing publications. I was mentoring students. And I was directing the largest program in the school. And um, I never had any complaints before. So... um, when at our very first faculty meeting, he announced that I was in the twilight of my career, I was shocked. And uh, yeah, and that's what and he said. He said, we he said we're going to have these new standards and they're going to apply to everyone, yeah. all faculty, but not yep. if you are like Amanda in the twilight of your career. Yes, you got the scene and all eyes turned to me. <laughs> and uh people after I mean I I I froze. That's what I do when I'm uh in situations like that and didn't respond. Um and it, it happened time and time again. But then he started doing this really strange behavior. Um there was Basically, I could do nothing right. Anything I suggested was ridiculous. Anything I accomplished didn't matter. And um, in so I would be repeatedly humiliated in meetings, but in private settings like the hallway or, or even in the yard walking to other buildings, he would compliment me on my appearance, which really threw me i've never i've never had a boss comment on my appearance um and it seemed in a sort of patronizing way yeah yeah well like I, you're looking I, good I, for what? your age amanda yeah no he never said for your age you know, no 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 I, I like implicit those, I, implicit but, but yeah yeah maybe that's what it was but it threw me and so it was weird it was it was destabilizing for me um and uh yeah so, so there were things like that. And then the, the, the coup de grace came when he just started doing revisions to my job description and taking away, from my point of view, everything that was fun. All, contacts with students, advising um, were gone and the paperwork requirements accelerated. And when I spoke to colleagues, I found out in other universities that that was a very common tactic when you want to get rid of a tenured professor who can't be fired, is get the job pared down to the point where they hate it. Um, I also learned that in this, you know, neoliberal environment that people, it's called tiered work. If employers can put you in a setting where they parse out the elements of a an, a costly job and assign them to less costly people, they can accomplish cost savings. So I'd have to say, I think bottom line economics were driving all of this. But on a personal level, it was pretty devastating. I, I lost my confidence. I mean, it, it, that's the funny thing about these kinds of microaggressions and assaults. You, you, you lose your, I lost my trust in myself. And, uh, 
yeah, it was rough. It was a rough haul for a while there. And so and I thought about it. if you had mm-hmm. responded in a different way, if you had mm-hmm. in that first instance got angry and yeah. evidenced your anger, mm-hmm. would that have been, would that have changed the situation or would it have been better for you? What would have happened? Well, I kind of think it would have been better to me for me. In retrospect, I think so. Because, I mean, of course, what I did for the book is I did all this reading and, and I interviewed people and talked about their experiences. And and one of the key insights that I got is that suppressing your anger, particularly the rumination involved, you know how it is when you wake up at 2 a.m. Oh. and you say, oh, <laughs> yeah, can't believe I did that. And then you go over it for the next three hours. And yeah. so And then you say, if only I'd said that. Yes, and it comes to you at absolutely the wrong time. Yeah, that's what that the French kind of call l'esprit d'escalier. Ooh, you know, you're, you're on the stairs exiting yeah. before it comes yeah, to you. Yeah. Mm. Ooh, that's a good one. Uh-huh. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. So. So then you talk so. to other people who yep. who had similar experiences. It's just it's ageism. Yep. Oh, I think so. That's the word I apply to it now. That's yeah. what I would say. So that, so yeah. So I think if back to your question, mm-hmm. I'm uh, if if I had blown up at the time, I think I would have been healthier three months later. I might still have been forced to retire, but I think I might have been healthier, if not happier. Yeah, I mean the thing about yeah. getting older is that we are supposed to become more tranquil and reflective. Are we absolutely? Not? We certainly are, particularly women. Um, yeah, Kathleen Woodward wrote this great article. She called it Against Wisdom. And she argued that sort of the, the myth of wisdom, as she put it, is damaging to older adults. It's a way of uh, pressuring them into becoming what perhaps society wants us to become, which is gone, um, at least modern society. I'm just but, thinking about uh, Boris Johnson at this point, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Getting rid of the old folk. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's popular in the U.S. too. I, we have some great quotes of people who say we have a duty to die and get out of the way. Yeah. And do you ever think that that's true in your heart of hearts? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Oh, but but see, there's a misunderstanding that, that often people have, which is that young people can't be promoted. They can't advance their careers as long as we're sitting there, we old folks. Yeah. And a lot of universities push that. And and some economists that I read said, actually, when you look at broad macroeconomic data, it, it doesn't support that idea. Um, and one of the funny ironies of where we are now, at least in the States, and I think a little bit here in New Zealand, is that um, you know we're pushing out all these old people and then we have a labor force shortage and nobody nobody seems to notice the irony in that no um, yeah no so. and there is that thing called loss of historic memory it's particularly yeah. i mean the the angry thing is mm. is particularly inappropriate not only for elderly people let me just talk about that word elderly for a moment i was talking to somebody yes a friend yeah. yesterday who said yeah. i'm sick of this 67-year-old woman, now described as elderly, and goes for men as well. Can we have Uh another word, given that it doesn't quite encapsulate it because we're living so much longer now? 
Yeah, when we mature, I like mature. Oh, mature, <laughs> like a cheese. <laughs> yeah, like like wine. <laughs> All right. I didn't. So, women mm. of a mature age have a particular problem in evidencing anger, because um, angry women. women are just so unpleasant, aren't they? Absolutely, absolutely. Beyond that, they're terrifying. Actually, the Greeks thought that there was nothing more dangerous than an angry woman. Oh, turn you to stone. Oh, yeah, exactly. Medusa. Uh-huh. Yeah. And others. And so you're encouraging people to challenge, mature people to challenge society with well, a bit of rage. Yeah. Well, I think, actually, I think I'm reluctant. I'm very reluctant to tell people what to do. Mm -hmm. But I would encourage people to look at their rage closely and not immediately reject it as a danger to society or themselves and, and make a, a cool headed decision about whether they want to pursue the issues that their rage has brought up. Because it's not necessarily aggression. It might be no. justifiable outrage rather than just Absolutely. some kind of weird road rage thing. Absolutely. And people tend to just dismiss it, particularly if you're in one of these categories that isn't supposed to get angry. A woman of any age, an older adult, particularly an older woman. Yep. Yep. They tend to. And it's this internalized ageism and internalized misogyny, I guess you could say, that makes us self-censor so we don't express. But then we don't learn the lesson that the, the anger has to teach us. Yeah. So that's I mean, it's all very, we know maybe what the right thing is to do, but maybe society is not quite ready for us to do that yet. And I'm not sure it ever will be, <laughs> but it won't, it won't get ready till we do it. All right. All right. <laughs> I don't think. Uh, yeah. Um, good to yeah. talk to you. Thank you. Thank you. And of course, there is the Dylan Thomas poem, Old Age Should Burn and Rave at Close of Day. But we don't want anybody to think it's quite close of day yet. So that's a dilemma. I think Dylan Thomas was talking about closer to death than either Amanda Baruch or me, myself, I are.